that right now we're hearing each other and your listeners, our listeners are hearing us. And so if they want to explore this, an experience of being one with everything, not being separate, then they can notice, oh, where do I hear this conversation? And our first reaction might be, I hear it in my brain or I hear it coming out of the computer because we've been conditioned to believe we hear things over there. So when we were a child, look at the bird up there in the tree singing. And so we just start thinking that the bird is up there in the tree singing and that's where the sound's coming from. But if we look in our experience, that's not where we hear the sound. We hear the sound in our experience. Now that can be pretty challenging at the beginning, but but we can let it sink in and and let let us realize, wow, yeah. In my experience, the sound is here where I am, and then that starts leading to the knowing that I'm not separate from that sound. If I think the sound's coming from over there, then I think I'm receiving some sound and I'm separate from it. Mm-hmm. But when we realize, oh, in my experience, I just the sound is here, then we can do the same thing with seeing. Oh, I'm seeing this on the computer or my phone. Okay, but where am I seeing this in my experience? I see it here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever and wherever you are watching or listening, this is the Holistic Monitor, and I'm your host, Nick Sconia. The Holistic Monitor is a wellness podcast featuring life energy research, health and wellness transformation, self-improvement and empowerment, philosophy, spirituality, and now guest interviews as well. We look forward to your comments on our YouTube channel, at Holistic Monitor, And you can also listen on the go with us at Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and more. And with that, let's get today's show started. And welcome to the Holistic Monitor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sconia. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Peggy O'Neill, a guide and mentor who has dedicated her life to helping others break free from their limitations of the illusion of separation and live authentically as they serve their highest calling. Join us for our deep dive into the transformative power of direct experience and the freedom that comes with discovering your true self. On the Holistic Monitor, with Peggy O'Neill. Peggy O'Neill, you're a certified integral master coach with over 30 years of experience coaching leaders and multinational organizations around the world. And you hold a Juris Doctor from the University of Arkansas. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And you are um, working in uh, the field of coaching. Is that all right? Mm -hmm. So um, what uh, what got you started? What was uh, the the impetus for your journey out of law and into coaching? Well, I'd been coaching for about 12 years. Well, I was really about 10 years, I guess, at the time. I mean, sorry, practicing law for 12 years. Sorry, got it backwards. Been mm-hmm. practicing law for about 12 years. And uh, some friends of mine had been doing some personal development, transformational. It's uh, it's called um, um, 
what was it called at the time? Anyway, so it was leading edge transformational experience. And, and so I got involved with that and got really interested. So I was in my mid thirties at the time and started thinking, why didn't I know this a long time ago? Might mm-hmm. helped me a lot in relationships or practicing law or anything I was doing. And so I was fascinated. I was human potential movement. It was a training in the okay. human potential movement category. And, um, and then I was real active with the organization as a volunteer. And then also in that time, I was living in Little Rock, Arkansas at the time, and someone brought a coaching course to Arkansas in 1988, long before anybody had even heard of coaching. But I was so fascinated with this idea of of who we are and and how life really works that I signed up for the coaching course. So so I was active as a graduate in this uh, uh, transformational training company, was taking these coaching courses, and then I was offered a job Hmm. by the coaching, I mean, by the training company. And uh, so I thought, why not? I've practiced law for 12 years. I can always come back to it if I don't like this, but I never looked back. I had to drive for three days from Little Rock to San Francisco. took me three days. I was by myself Hmm. and I never looked back. was so grateful for that opportunity. And years later uh, in reflection, because people have asked, you know, such a big transition because when I lived in Arkansas, um, you know, I mean, I had a nice legal background. Bill and Hillary Clinton were both teachers of mine in law school. Right. And and he offered me my first, well, he helped me find my first job out of law school. And then he offered me a job as an assistant attorney general. Then when he was governor, I was purchasing director. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had a great legal career. What was I doing going right. to work for this human <laughs> potential training company? And yeah. so in retrospect, I realized I'd really gotten into law to try to make a difference in the world. You know, mm-hmm. How do we get along? How can we work together, really get along? And uh, and then, of course, realized not too long into my legal practice that that kind of wasn't the direction of most law. Law, It's more how, I, how can I be right and make the other guy wrong? How can I, right. uh, you know, be uh, get my, what I want in a contract? And I don't really care what the other person wants in a contract. It was right. really at that time, especially it was before mediation was in Arkansas, hmm. uh, that um, it was that uh, really us against them approach to, right. to law and negotiation uh, and, so and debate, basically. Are yeah, like the forms I, of... because I'd been purchasing director for the state of Arkansas, I was doing a lot of legal work uh, in the private practice negotiating mm-hmm. contracts, being before planning commissions and regulatory agencies. And so it, right. it's, it's, you know, how do I get, how do my clients, of course, want to get me, the most, you know, I want to get what I want. Right. And I don't really care, you know, win, lose. It was that sort of environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so that's why it really wasn't that hard for me to, to move on. Again, in retrospect, when I reflected on why, how was it, why was it so easy? Because I found in this new coaching and training human potential environment, it was, it was more, it was more in alignment with what I always really wanted to do with my life. How do we get along? How do we work together? How do we care about each other and be the best people we can be for each other and create the world that we really want? So, So that's the journey to that. You were looking to uh, affect change legally, and you found that it was better to go personally, maybe. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, affect change in the world person by person versus, uh, you know, through the legal system, which, of course, some, yeah. so there's always somebody pushing back against whatever you're doing. 
in the in the official stuff yeah and that's really the 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 way that changes does happen is one person i mean it can be a whole group of people but that each person as gandhi said be the change you want to see in the world so it starts with are we really being the people that match what we say the world we want the world to be like if we're not there that's the place to start anything else is just creating more of the same maybe trying to feel better along the way or make a little difference but it's not really going to change anything in the long run unless we each are living aligned with what we really say we want the world to be right yeah absolutely now when you're you said you started with that first approach uh did that change the first approach uh to coaching uh the uh your uh, what was it called? Uh, human potential movement. Human potential movement. Did yeah, it change? Did it adjust? Company. Or yeah, uh, I was with that company about four years, okay. and was still taking coaching courses at the same time. And so through that period of time, I was in San Francisco, was traveling all the time doing training. Wound up in New York, running mm-hmm. managing the training center there. I actually turned it around, and then they moved me to the D.C. area to to do the same thing there. But uh, so for that period of time, those four years, I was doing pretty much the same sort of work, but but really started appreciating that coaching might be a more sustainable approach to um, to human change because these these trainings were great trainings, fantastic trainings. Right. Um, There are flaws there. (laughs) There were flaws in them. So that's why I was kind of ready to move on after four years. Like, okay. Because I really think coaching, more heartfelt approach all along the way was was more natural for me. And um, and that it really took, it. so a training is nice and great, but typically it's not going to sustain change. Because right. you get back into the workplace, back in your relationships, maybe you've been in a training for five days. Because it was pretty intense, a five-day training. There was a basic training, advanced course. I was an advanced course trainer, five-day okay. training. And then, but you get back out into the world, and it's hard to sustain the insights that you had. Right. And with coaching, I saw, oh, this could really... Long-term. Uh, long-term. Yeah. And, and kind of not a little off from what you're asking me. But the interesting thing, when I was in D.C., and, and I quit my job, or in the D.C. area, I quit my job to start my own coaching business. Bill Clinton got elected president. So yeah. I also went to work for him when he was president. Oh. I, yeah, I thought, I thought, well, I just quit a job and just started my own business. But I know the president, so I did go work <laughs> in the administration for a period of time, but okay. then transitioned back into coaching. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Were you able to apply what you had learned in in the position in the uh, administration? Yeah. So I, I had the, the position really suited where I was and what I knew. It was with the Federal Labor Relations Authority, hmm. and the idea was doing training to help labor and management get along. So it was really. It included everything I knew because I knew law. I also right. knew had government experience in Arkansas, mm-hmm. and then I also knew training and communication and how do people get along from my coaching and training career. Right. So yeah, it was a great Perfect. melding yeah. of all of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how do you combine uh, wisdom teachings, science, uh, and then direct experiential inquiry into your practice? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'll tell you a bit of a story and how that all came together. Is so in 
2007. And I realized the bio I gave you, I should, I didn't realize it didn't include, I've now been coaching 35 years. <laughs> 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before so you know it, tell, right? I'm about to tell a little story that uh, the years won't add up if I don't. Yeah. That, so, so I apologize that I didn't. No, know. you're all good. You blink but, your eye and five years goes by. Yeah, it you know, does. Before it's you know amazing. it. It's... <laughs> but in 2007, I'd been coaching for about 20 years and been certified by a coaching school. As I said, I took lots of coaching training and knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. was good at it. Clients liked me. Everything was great about my business, but I was miserable. So I was thinking, okay, this doesn't quite correspond that I'm miserable and yet I'm supposed to be helping people. I I did a lot of work with people in business, leaders, managers, entrepreneurs, and and that I was telling them that I can help them have the life and the business that they want when I wasn't experiencing that. So it felt out of integrity to have my own business and saying, I can help you with all of this. So I shut my business down. I walked away from my business in 2007. Hmm. And and set off on this journey that I didn't really know what I was on or where I was going or I had really no direction. Uh, luckily, over the years, business came to me. I got work in Singapore. Uh, other things came along over the years. But it wasn't till it took 11 years. It wasn't until 2018, 2017, 2018 that the Great Wisdom Traditions came to me. A book, somebody recommended a book, and I looked at the book. It's a small book <laughs> before too long, immediate relief. I'm going, this is what's been missing all these years. So what I learned from the great wisdom traditions is that we already are everything that we're seeking. Mm-hmm. We already are everything that we're seeking. And the coaching I had been working with, and I've since been certified in it by another coaching school, but all the coaching models that I was using were about getting somewhere, engage in these practices, change conversations, change activities, you know, keep, you know, becoming a better person, so to speak, keep, keep becoming more evolved, all that. And someday you'll experience this. Although the idea was that as you do the practices and exercises along the way, you'd start experiencing what the experiences were that you were looking for, like peace and love and deep contentment and deep meaning. And so the idea was that along the way, you'd be experiencing that and it'd be sustainable over time by doing these various practices and exercises. Although so far that had not worked in the long term for me. So then when I read, started studying the wisdom traditions, realized, oh, I already am all of this. I don't have to keep seeking and trying to get somewhere. All I have to do, then back to the self-inquiry part of your question, is turn around and look within mm. and realize it's already right here. Now, it's it's so so that's the that was the understanding that that I realized in in reading these works. And then it does take doing the self-inquiry. It's not like a one-off. Oh, now I mean, some people have over the years, but very rarely. It's very rare for anybody. <laughs> in one sitting to have some sort of uh, experience of, oh yeah, now everything's changed. Hardly ever happens. But, um, but it does take the, the uh, asking some questions that help us see who we truly are. And you ask them over a period of time and then you have insights that where you go, oh, aha. And then everything changes. It's an insight. Like if, if somebody believed in Santa Claus, 
hopefully no, there aren't any real young listeners on this. Or, if they are, have <laughs> Everybody cover your ears. <laughs> if they, if you believe, if you believed in Santa Claus, then one day there was a Santa Claus. All of a sudden, one day you knew there wasn't. Everything right. changed. It's that kind of insight where we have these insights in this self inquiry, and everything changes. Mm-hmm. It's all at once. It's like, oh, I never right. saw that before. And then it starts in being integrated into our experience, and that's that's what then starts changing um, how we see ourselves, how we see the world. And, and we can feel now, usually everything that we're trying to accomplish or become in the world that we don't have to, we, we can be there now. So, so for example, somebody wants to make a lot of money. If we ask them enough questions, why do you want to make a lot of money? Well, because I want to be successful. Okay. But why do you want to be successful? And you ask two or three questions and pretty quickly it gets to because I want to experience peace mm-hmm. or security, which is another form of peace. Or I want to be happy or I want to, you know, know I'm fulfilled in life. Right. And so with this wisdom teachings and doing the self-inquiry, then we start experiencing that peace and happiness, fulfillment now. And then we actually, paradoxically, it's easier then to be more successful in business or right. have the relationships that we want or lead an organization yeah. in, in the way that we want because we already feel that and now we're, it's, it's being shared with other people as mm. we live our daily experiences. Yeah, and that's definitely, um, it's the whole uh, chasing something and yeah. never finding it. It's get, exactly. getting lost in the labyrinth of life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, looking for something that is really not attainable. Um, what was that? It was a Bob Marley quote. It was like, uh, money is numbers and numbers never end. So your your search for mm-hmm. money will never end because you'll never have, yeah. there'll be never enough. You know, there's never yeah. a number that's high enough. I mean, even talk to people that do have quite a substantial mm-hmm. amount of money, and they're looking at their peers at that level and thinking, I need to have more. <laughs> I need to get to the higher rung. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know at what point. It's probably a personal thing for each person at what point they can just stop that search, you know, mm-hmm. for, for money or for whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like losing your keys. And you look and you look and you look. My, my uh, thought is as soon as I know I've lost something, I, I need to stop hunting for it actively trying to find it because mm-hmm. it's likely I just need to give it a minute mm-hmm. and I'll either remember exactly where I put it or I'll stumble upon it depending mm-hmm. on the moment like mm-hmm. the, the lost keys as soon as I stop looking there they are yeah. <laughs> right. oh, they're in the they're in this pocket yeah. my bad <laughs> yeah that's yeah. amazing yeah that's and um, now as far as clients uh, you work with uh, you work with clients online do you work with clients in person as well I do. I work, yeah, yeah, online in person. I work with. I have a um, a public group, and okay. then I also work within organizations. I do workshops in organizations, and I also okay. work with with leaders in business, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and so some of them want one on one coaching, and some of them want to be in a group, either in their organization right. or this public group I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, like management will bring you into to work with the the employees, that sort of thing. Right. And management. Okay. And, and management. Management. At, at every level. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's, That's the great. place to start, really. Like I said a few minutes yeah. ago, be the change you want to see. So tip, a lot of times in organizations, people want outside coaches or trainers to come in and you know get my team ready to go. 
And yet right. it's really, we want to start with the executive or manager because the team is going to be a reflection of that person. Mm. So right. if that person also isn't doing whatever the work is to be the person that they think they want to see in the team, yeah. then, then is I mean, I've done that because that's what organizations want and at least it's better than nothing. But ideally, um, you, you, the management wants to do the work first or at least at the same time. Otherwise, again, it's not going to be sustainable. Right. Now, uh, where are you based? Now? I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just recently moved back from, I was in Texas till the first of the year. Oh, okay. You have a favorite place that you've been? Favorite city? Well, Fayetteville is really nice. This is where I went to school. Uh, but I lived in both New York City, Manhattan, Hmm. And Healdsburg, California, oh, which is yeah. in Sonoma County, wine country, California. So you, yep. you, and it's small towns. So you might think those yeah. are worlds apart. Oh my gosh, how did you really <laughs> like New York City? Which right. I loved living in New York City. Yeah. And you loved living in Healdsburg. How do those <laughs> go together? Well, in Healdsburg, it was small enough to where you knew people, you could walk to the square, walk right. to a store. And in New York, you walk to the store up the street yep. you you take uh, public transportation and so and it, and every area of new york city is kind of a neighborhood a smaller right. Small city town. if you will yeah. uh -huh. so <laughs> or whatever yeah yeah so i lived both okay new york That's, and healdsburg yeah, yeah I have a, right. for a long time i did a lot of traveling and i never would say that i had a favorite but uh i would say you know a favorite small town and then a favorite big town because it's very different, um, you know. There's a different mm -hmm. feel to cities, but there's uh, there's something really nice about small towns too that mm -hmm. you can't discount it. But I've been to a lot of cities, and there was some. Mm -hmm. I had some favorite cities that I really like to go to, mm -hmm. but then small towns too. You can't discount that whole complete shift from mm -hmm. you know a city is a city. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different type of life, you know. Yeah. Um, Healdsburg. Okay. Great area. Yeah. It a lot is. of great wine. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you have clients. Do you have any kind of like testimonials with clients that uh, like any kind of uh, breakthroughs that you could share that you've heard from clients uh, through your method? Yeah, sure. Um, well, often without giving people... you names or anything like right. that, of course. Yeah. Often what people <laughs> find is that sim very similar to me that they feel almost immediate relief you know in organizations people are so stressed to produce try to get somewhere to be a better leader to be um, a better team player and there's so much emphasis on trying to get somewhere and be a better person right and uh you know it's most developmental coaching in the workplace you know let's get ourselves to some place mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of stress and anxiety around that plus there's some element of we need to change something needs to be different and all that adds to that stress as well and so people once they start engaging with these with this insight that oh i, I can start by knowing who i truly am then people start relaxing right relaxing and the leader starts relaxing and seeing, you know, leaders can be a little concerned at the beginning. Well, if I relax, what's going to happen to the team? Except that what happens is, I mean, are they going to still produce because there's a lot of 
ideas with some leaders anyway that you've got to you know kind of be on top of things like that that kind of energy of but right. but when people realize this then and they start relaxing then the team relaxes too and then what happens then performance goes up right because right. now I'm not defending myself. I'm not protecting myself. I'm not, my focus isn't on trying to get better. My focus is on, oh, I already am everything I need. Now let's release that and let's perform. Now I'll really want to perform in, in a whole different way because I experienced the leader better. So that's the sort of feedback in that sort of situation where the, the leaders, the leader relaxes and, um, and, and does really what most leaders want to do anyway they want to serve the team but instead of learning skills and um, although that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but instead of starting with that learning skills to be a better listener learning skills to to get performance going then it's the way of being that occurs that automatically they're going to listen better they don't have to learn a skill to do that or remember to do it they're in they're really present with the person so so that's so that's one element of feedback is that the leaders are more enjoying leadership and then the team does too. And then their performance goes up. Right. Others, other and other uh, people have had amazing insights into, um, into like, like there's a problem to be solved, if you will, although technically it's not a problem. So we realize it's not a problem. It's just, it's a situation, but they feel kind of stuck in the situation and when they start engaging again with these questions and being still and just open and present, mm -hmm. then insights and ideas come to them that come out of nowhere that they could not have thought of right. or think they could not have thought of. They might have, but it's such a different experience uh, that they're in at that point that then they, I mean, a different relationship with reality and themselves and their, their team that all of a sudden ideas come that they are brilliant, yeah. creative, and innovative um, that they didn't have before. So that, um, and other people, so I have, like I have a client that's a writer and just things just come flow through, mm -hmm. just flow through. Whereas before this person wouldn't even give themselves permission to write because it right. wasn't, it wasn't important or it wasn't what they were supposed to be doing with their life. And once they gave themselves permission, flow. This book's been with this person for over 20 years. and So yeah. kind of like clearing a writer's block or a creative block. Yeah. Just yeah. Gave, gave, gave the person permission to, to, hmm. to, to we, write the book. And then the book that wanted to be written started coming through. Right, right. And what would you say um, uh, the method that you're doing uh, is kind of like a uh, suggestive meditation or guided meditation of sorts, kind of getting somebody down brainwave speed down closer to theta or something like that, or alpha, where they can kind of free their mind of the clutter and be open to new resources? Um, no, no, it's really the approach. So one of the things that I found, again, when I first discovered the, the great wisdom traditions, and frankly, we all are really aware of them because all great wisdom, all great religions and spiritual traditions are based on the same thing. Right. And the idea is, or the basis of it is that we're all one shared being. Mm. 
the nature of which is love, peace, happiness, fulfillment, um, meaning, purpose. And so when we start with that premise, then, and do the inquiry, because that's a nice idea. I mean, a lot of people, especially when, when during COVID, were saying, yeah, we're all one. Look, we're really connected. But that's a concept. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we embody that knowing? Which, you know, wisdom traditions have been telling us for 3,000 years. Science has been telling us for the last 100 years. We're right. intimately entangled. Right. Intimately entangled. So, so sometimes people need a little more science at the beginning. So I give them a little more science or guide them to some articles to read about science. And, but then we start discovering this experience of the one being that we are. So, for example, um, I can give several examples. If you want to go this direction, you can let me know. Sure. But one example is that, um, that right now we're hearing each other and your listeners, our listeners, are hearing us. And so if they want to explore this, an experience of being one with everything, not being separate, then they can notice, oh, where do I hear this conversation? And our first reaction might be, I hear it in my brain or I hear it coming out of the computer because we've been conditioned to believe we hear things over there. So when we were a child, look at the bird up there in the tree singing. And so we just start thinking that the bird is up there in the tree singing, and that's where the sound's coming from. But if we look in our experience, that's not where we hear the sound. We hear the sound in our experience. Now, that can be pretty challenging at the beginning, but we can let it sink in and let, it, let us realize, wow, yeah, in my experience, the sound is here where I am, and then that starts leading to the knowing that I'm not separate from that sound. If I think the sound's coming from over there, then I think I'm receiving some sound and I'm separate from it. Mm-hmm. But when we realize, oh, in my experience, I just the sound is here, then we can do the same thing with seeing. Oh, I'm seeing this on the computer or my phone. Okay. But where am I seeing this in my experience? I see it here. Then another question is, um, um, can you, can any of us separate our experience from, um, from uh, um, anything else? So, so like if I see another person, I'm with another person, can, is there any way to separate my experience from this person? No. If I'm with this person, if I'm seeing them, hearing them, with them, it's that's in my experience. That is my experience. I'm not separate from them. We can't cannot separate anybody or anything from our experience. So those are the sorts of questions that we start engaging in, and we have to stick with them. So it's not like, oh yeah, I see that. Then we stick right. with it for a while because we've been conditioned. Since we were first born, so when we were first born, we have a we have a sense that we're one with everything. There's no separation. It's just everything is just everything is there. Right. But then we get conditioned to believe we're separate because pretty soon our parents or other people around us are saying, "Look at Peggy. 
Isn't she cute? Oh, she's such a good baby. Oh, and then mm-hmm. and Peggy, look at the tree. Look at the bird. This is right. mommy. This is daddy. And so at some point within the first 18 months, something kind of clicks that I must I'll be the separate object over here. I must be mm-hmm. separate from all of this because of the way we talk. We get conditioned into that. And then everything starts flowing out from there that we're separate from each other. But that's a belief that we're separate. It's just a thought. It's right. not reality. So these are the inquiries that we do that we start dissolving these illusions mm-hmm. by seeing through them with these insights. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think a lot, I you know, when, when you go back into the old, like really old shamanic traditional mm. methods, um, not everybody is called to do that kind of work. Um, and those that aren't, uh, typically live in that veiled life where they're at the whims of the world in mm-hmm. that separation. And those that are called are called to join with all things in some form, whatever way they can, uh, you know, whatever methodology or ritual gets them to be more connected mm-hmm. to the astral or the other, or the fourth dimension uh, to be able to access those places to help the 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 group or the community mm-hmm. the tribe or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's not for everybody but uh, those that are special or touched or have been granted permission or however however it comes about uh, but I find that uh, with when when you're growing up there is these veils that and I wonder if somebody was uh, raised in a different way how different um, mm. on a dramatic scale uh, the community with people that were raised with kids in a more connected way versus a separate mm-hmm. way. Because the separation, I think, is a, like a survival method yeah. that people are learned over time to say, yeah. well, we, you know, somebody's over there and we evaluate that before we approach it so that we don't get into trouble right. or something like that. Exactly. It seems like it's natural or at the very least conditioned very early by the, the elders, you know, those that are teaching us. But in a lot of ways, as a as an animal first, it's like a safety, a safety net mm-hmm. to have that separation from the you know, the wild tiger mm-hmm. to know like, okay, wild tiger wants to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a battle may ensue, and right. I need to be on top of the situation to the utmost. So I feel like, and again, some somebody some. Some shamans are called very early in life, yeah. or at the beginning, um, some warriors of that sort. But uh, I feel like the veil of separation initially is to learn that way. And then learning to be connected, it gives you the best of both worlds. There's a challenge mm-hmm. to learning to get out of the veils or to lift the veils. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be very necessary depending on how life is. Mm-hmm. Um to approach life in a way that's uh, you're able to view the world in that separation, but also click it over to um, in, to view it from a connected stance. Is that something that you you work to coach in, like a switch, an ability to just kind of turn on and turn off? It, it winds up happening happening naturally. In other words, we're we're here to live this human experience, obviously, because that's right. what we're doing. Yeah. So, so we still are engaged with the world. You know, we still are going to drive a car. We're going to talk to each other. We're, and so, but, but it's, but the, 
but the experience and the relationship with the world shifts so that we experience the shared being Mm -hmm. that we are. So, so, um, let's say, um, so let's say I'm working with, I'm a leader in an organization and I'm working with somebody and I don't know what we're talking about today. I think we're separate. So then if I'm the leader and somebody's not performing, then I might, I'll think that I'm a leader. They're not performing. I've got to help them or get a coach for them or do something because they've got to start performing. And, and so there's a, there's a, and, and it feels like separate. It feels like I've got to fix them. There's yeah, something they're, wrong problem, over there. Not they my problem. problem. So right. with this understanding, then that circumstance may still be there. But now I'm not bringing in that there's anything to change, that there's anything wrong, that there's anything to fix. But I'm seeing this person as another aspect of me. Mm-hmm. So, for example... A guru who brought in this direct, it's called the direct path, who brought this direct path back into more current times, Ramana Maharshi. And he's, he's been dead for some period of time, but, but over the last couple of hundred years brought this knowing back in mm-hmm. to, uh, to the available to more people. And uh, one time, some, some of the, uh, he would call them friends probably around him, said, uh, well, how do we treat others? And he said, well, there are no others. (laughs) And as one of my clients, an attorney once said, as we were doing this work, he said, oh, I'm always talking to myself. Right. So that's what happens is that then the person realized, oh, I'm talking to myself. And so as I was, as as we worked together, um, then on their own, the person, the leader, start seeing, in fact, one of them did say to me things like, oh, I was going to have this sort of conversation with them, but now I really see them in a whole new way. This conversation is going to go entirely differently. I'm going to be there with this open heart and this understanding. They're another aspect of me, so I'm going to talk to them the way I'd want to be talked to and supported. And it just starts shifting um, energetically, if you will, and the whole way of being and then what happens in the interaction changes dramatically. And it can happen pretty quickly. Um, like I've had one conversation with somebody and just exactly what I said occurred. Where they're like, oh my gosh, I'd be entirely different with this person than I was planning to be an hour ago right. along these lines. It's a realignment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get realigned to address themselves in a sense. Mm-hmm. The thing that they see is not working correctly. Maybe mm-hmm. they approach it like in their own shoes or something like that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. 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 That's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so it is. Is it typical that you're working in um, in corporate or business as far as um, groups go? Um, I do. I mean, they've always said you're supposed to find a niche. My yeah. niche is no niche. So because right. <laughs> I like the variety. And so yeah. I've been abysmal at this niche thing, but, <laughs> uh, but, but so, but th- yes, but I do work with leaders and managers and organizations 
and um, teams and organizations, as well as lawyers. But I also work with entrepreneurs. I work with uh, retired people that are trying to find more. They've been very successful. The people that I work with have been extremely successful. They're usually often over uh, in their mid to late 50s or beyond because they've and they've raised their children and they've been real successful. But they're going, is this all there is? Right. So 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 I'll get that like with attorneys or leaders and organizations, that sort of thing. And then some people get all the way to retirement and then are like, OK, I've got to know why am I here and what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So it does run the gamut. But it's typically yeah. somebody that's somewhat successful. Usually if they're still starting out fairly new, then they're in that struggle and the fear of all of that. And it's a little hard for people to step back and go, I want to know who I truly am. Some of them right. do, but it usually is somebody that's been uh, around a little bit um, and feels um, you know, somewhat settled in their life, yeah. at least financially. Um, but, but so I work with all kinds of people. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and as far as, uh, outcomes, you're getting good, good outcomes uh, right. with those that you're working with. Um, what, uh, what method do you use as far as do you zoom? You do like a video or, or you fly to these locations as well to do the, to the, do the work? Yeah, it just depends. Um, so mm -hmm. usually if it's an individual, it's, it's on zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do have the public group that's on Zoom, although we do occasionally meet in person for a weekend. Yeah. And then if it's an organization, yeah. Well, both. I mean, usually it's mixed. Usually I'll uh, go there for a group event, a group workshop, and then follow up on Zoom with, as a group or yeah. with the with the executive one-on-one. -on -one. Okay. Now, do you um, Are you training other people to do what you do? Training Not your method? Not right now. Um, no, I mean, no. they're because uh, it's the reason is, is it's, it's the, the first step is somebody has to really want to know who they are. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happens first. And um, and then I and then and then they'll know if they want to bring that into their coaching or their, or if they they'll, it'll be integrated naturally. Yeah. So okay. they don't really have to be trained in anything because each person is going to engage with this differently and express it differently. And, and um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And as far as for a typical interaction with a client, they contact you, you work with them directly or, or, through Zoom, um, and then work f to help them facilitate that self-reflection. Yes. It's like they already have to have that desire, and I find that often, too. If you don't have the desire to know more, it's really hard to approach systems yeah. that are there to teach you something about yourself or give you yeah. the mirror, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you don't want to look in it, then mm -hmm. what's the point of doing the system? Mm -hmm. uh, but so, so they basically have to have that first initial desire to want to know more. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, from there. Yeah. Or at least yeah. want to be happy. That sense of I've done other things. Okay. And, and, but I'm, but I'm not ready to give up yet. And so, uh, but not necessarily. I mean, one lawyer I worked with hadn't really done, he'd done a little bit of personal development work, but not much. Um, 
but uh, but but he's he was he was asking these questions, you know, just saying yeah. I, I, you know, I'm tired of developing. I just want to be who I am, you right. know. And so so that's that opened a big possibility there. And um, um, let's see. Oh, so so yes. Yeah, so the way that I work is we have I have five illusions and five insights that we start with. Okay. And we do these inquiry, these questions with each of those. And then, and they're, so it's a self-reflection using these questions over mm-hmm. days and weeks until it starts sinking in. So it's not a concept like this concept of we're all one. Okay, that's nice. I mean, we all love John Lennon's lyrics. So intuitively, right. <laughs> we know this. One day we'll live as one. And so that's part of my commitment that one yeah. day which can be sooner, doesn't have to be way off in the future. We'll live as this one being that we really, you know, we're moved with John Lennon's lyrics because we know it's possible. We know there's some other possibility. So um, we feel the truth. We do that. feel the yeah. truth. We know it. Right. It, it makes most sense. If we think of, you know, if you take like our, our technology of microscopes and you zoom in, we see that everything's made up of these atoms, everything. Everything that's radiating, um, that means that you know it's just the difference in uh, how they bind and how they bond. That's the only difference. But they're all made up of the same the same fabric, as mm-hmm. it were. You know, the physical space. And speaking of atoms, every mm-hmm. human being on the planet has atoms from every other human being that's ever been right. alive. Alive. That's ever been there. Alive. Right. And like you and I right now have atoms in each other that have been in each other. Yeah. 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 It's it's crazy to think about. Once you start getting into the more infinite reaches of yeah. that everything or that all, it starts yeah. to get really uh, beyond the scope of, you know, the mind. But uh, yes. But we feel that. And I think it's a sense yeah. or a connection to a sense mm-hmm. that um, most things are agreeing that. Uh, all things are one. That there is a great unity, kind of whether we like it or not, or whether we believe in it or not. It's it's only things seem to prove it versus disprove it, which is uh, which is nice. As they learn more, they're like, hmm, you know, there's an entanglement issue you were talking about, and then there's that, uh, you know, influence from far from far away or influence close to far away. That things that have a shared like a shared space without having a shared space. Mm-hmm. It just again it warps the mind because the mind only thinks finite, you know, in a finite way. But um, but I appreciate that you said that about influence uh, because that's another way that people can um, notice that we're all connected, we're all one. Most people aren't paying much attention to it, but right. if we think about it, you know, if somebody walks into the room and they're angry, we're immediately kind of on edge, on guard, yeah. like the lion or tiger you were talking about we feel that you know and or somebody's really happy walks into the room oh we feel that so we can really start helping ourselves grok this you know that word grok yeah Yeah. Yeah. you know really (laughs) get in our body if we start paying attention but most of us aren't paying much attention we're just right that's yeah and so but if we pay attention we can realize oh yeah i'm always influencing other people they're influencing me Yes, we're intimately back to the word you and I both used and scientists use. We're intimately entangled. Oh, yeah. there's no separation. Right. It's like uh, a vibrational soup. I've heard somebody <laughs> use that term, like a soup. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of like you splash in one direction. Everybody is going to feel it, even if it's just one direction. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and especially, like you said, walking into a room, 
Uh, I found that there's a... Uh, I did a lot of work with uh, Mayan astrology uh -huh. and um, it attached itself a lot or, you know, vice versa into the shamanic understandings of consciousness of the yeah. unknown and, and the known and the unknown and, um, and parallels to that in us in Western astrology. There's also a lot about aspects between two um, planets or two bodies mm. of, of influence and uh, mm -hmm. it's all very, to me, it's all very common sense understandings of how nature works and how things mm -hmm. work. Uh, if something's next to you or, or conjunct to your position, it's one with you. It's empowerment. It empowers mm -hmm. you. Somebody's with you and aligned in one mm -hmm. frame of reference. If, uh, if somebody is, I think, in, in one, it's to the left of you and you're meeting in the middle you don't actually see it coming. So it's like a hidden mm. aspect, mm. a hidden thing. So somebody's intent, what their feelings are, you're not gonna vibe with everybody. In other words, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's gonna be like getting T-boned. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that concept of, mm -hmm. of the 90 degree. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes uh, they're on the opposite side. I think that's the most valuable because it's like the mirror of mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. but in in a you know another sense it's also like oncoming traffic you know right <laughs> like playing chicken with somebody yeah. and their energy may not align really well at all but you can learn so much from uh, their place and what they have to say because it's like that mirror of yourself yeah um and i find that you know while we're in this soup sometimes we not, might not even know where the vibes are coming from that we're feeling they can be hidden mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but like you said it really takes the pause and that that drop down and just mm -hmm. become aware of your space uh, mm -hmm. to allow the perception which is going to know a lot more about getting outside of that bowl mm -hmm. and seeing mm -hmm. things you know, from above as it were mm -hmm. um to kind of know like okay this is uh like you were saying uh, the one lawyer was doing work to try and develop himself and trying to progress it was getting caught into the process and mm -hmm. still had had questions the questions kept right. coming mm -hmm. so you're allowing you're you're showing light onto okay you have you have a desire to for change it sounds like that's mm -hmm. like the main modus to get out of you know even the wrap of personal development to, to get out of that and to get more into themselves yeah mm -hmm. so you you basically are bringing them back to self like exactly. bring them back to themselves. Beautifully said, yeah. Right. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Can be not easy because of all the distractions, no. you know. Yes. Day and age. <laughs> and we're so, so conditioned by society. I mean, any, watch any commercial. Yeah. Get the new car and you'll be happy and you'll get the girl and yeah. you'll be hot. And I mean, it's just constant. Even that's if we constant. know it intellectually that that's what's going on. It right. just is in our whole being, like you said. So it's so hard to wait, wait, do I want to stop getting pulled into that? Right. And turn back around. It is very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. When I, I, I've tried to shed away as much for commercials. I've been in sales for a lot, <laughs> yeah. most of my life. And when I oh, hear okay. them, it's all I hear is, you know, buy this, buy right. this, uh, name recognition over and over again. Over, over. Yeah. Geico is one of the best twists to that, yeah. but it's still yeah. basically saying get Geico insurance, get Geico insurance yeah. over. It's like a over, hypnosis. Over. 
mm-hmm. because that's what it is. It's just trying to entrain you into mm-hmm. think about us later. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so the distractions are definitely and so your your course or your your work with somebody, it varies obviously in time. Yeah. Um would it be the shortest amount of time and what would be the, like the longest amount of time that you've you have worked with somebody or would be willing to do that? Uh four to six months okay. would be the shortest. And I have some people that I've worked with for a couple of years. Okay. So, um, just, you know, it's just, it's a deepening that occurs. Yeah. You know, in four to six months, you've got what you need, the understandings, you've started working with the insights, you've seen a lot, thing, you know, you, you, um, it's starting to embody and then so some people want to just do it on their own or, or frankly, some people go, that was nice. And I'm going back to my, I, I don't want to keep up this self-inquiry. I don't want to keep that up. And that's fine because right. they've got what they, uh, everything they really quote need if they want to return to it. Um, but most people stick with it. And because it's, like I said, pretty immediately that we feel the relief and so it's like, wow, why would I go back to this constant stress and anxiety and all like that? I don't, right. I'm done with that. So most people are done. But yeah. some people, you know, people do what they do, of course, and that's fine. But four to six months, and then some people want to stay longer because they, they do, it just keeps deepening and deepening. And they, uh, they like, uh, particularly group work, they love the group work because of the deepening. And, and I do some work with groups where we start also working as one mind mm-hmm. where somebody can bring in something that's going on in their life. And they've done what we talked about a while ago, where they slowed down, they asked, they sat, right. or, uh, and, but they still are like, hmm, something's kind of stuck here. I'd like to bring it to the group. And so we bring a group mind approach to what, what arises within any of us. Uh, with regard to this situation that this person's kind of stuck in. Hmm. And so we've had some incredible uh, gifts of insight that the other person's received. Somebody will see this or think of this. And then the person, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And that's exactly what will help me in this situation. So that's another reason why some people like staying in the group because we do that as we go along as well. Wow. Yeah. Now, are you finding really good results or, or maybe even better uh, faster results as far as um, people getting to where they need to be in the group versus on an individual? It, it really just depends. The one thing about the group is that questions that we might not think of or insights we might not realize we had, it gets really reinforced quite quickly or other things. There's, oh, I'm glad they talked about that because I hadn't really thought about that. And so it creates that reinforcement of of because because this turns the world upside down you know there's like, right. am i just crazy here and thinking this could be true or so it helps also reinforce that doubt that we get when when very few people in the population are taking this on even though again science and wisdom traditions have been telling us this for hundreds science thousands of years and um and so it helps to validate the experience validate the what they're doing validate that this is who they are. So, it, but it does depend on the person, like the attorney I've referenced a time or two made quite quick progress by himself, but he also had a wife that was engaged in this conversation. So he wasn't mm. just alone. He had a wife that right. was engaged in it. And so, um, 
doing work as well, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you do couples like uh, coaching? Is that uh no. No. Okay. I mean, not, I have. I've worked with people that owned a business. To, the husband and wife owned the business. And I've yeah. worked with them that way. And then, of course, the relationship comes into play. But right. I don't market not or specifically. Really worked with them. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as um, for contact, um, for the listeners and watchers, I'll have it tagged in the description of the mm-hmm. show as well. Uh, but where can people find you? What avenues? Yeah, so happy anybody email me if you want to have a further conversation about any of this at Peggy. Well, you said you'd put it in there, but it's Peggy yeah. at Peggy-O'Neill.com, O-N-E-A-L. Okay. And then they can go to my website, Peggy-O'Neill.com, and sign up for a newsletter, which has articles weekly on what we're mm-hmm. talking about here. So it's relevant. It's valuable information. Help yeah. people uh, pursue what we're talking about here through these articles. And, um, and then also upcoming events. Because I do have free events okay. uh, once a month, and so they can ask, they'll have information about when those are, and so those are the two best ways. Yeah, yeah, uh, and newsletters are great because it kind of keeps things fresh. And mm-hmm. does it does it uh, does it work with um, current trends and news and that sort of thing? Or mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so I've brought in you know what a lot of businesses have uh, experienced with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, supply chain issues and quiet quitting and all like that. So I do address those sorts of issues as well as the wars in the world and and how to relate to all of that, as well as with the quiet quitting, you know, so, so the, so business people that have employees that are doing that, they have one issue, but then those people are seeking meaning and purpose. And, and, and so, 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 so there are articles that, that come at it both ways right. so that the people that are seeking the, the, the purpose and meaning um, start uh, information is relevant to that as well. Yeah. So it's kind of both sides sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Depending on where they're at. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody can learn from each side of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Perspective. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. See where the other is coming from. Mm-hmm, <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. And then uh, do you do use social media and all of that as well? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. I have a Facebook group answering the call. If somebody wants to join that, I'm on Facebook, right. LinkedIn. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, it was really great talking to you today. It was like great being with you uh, too, Nick. A lot of great information. Thank you. Yeah. Thank and you. We'll, uh, we'll talk again soon. Well, that'd be wonderful. Great. Yeah, take care. Thank you. You Bye. too.